Good morning. Hey, stand with us. Let's sing about Jesus today. God, we give this time to you. Meet with us, we pray.
right, I got to stop just for a second. Isn't it great to have Danny back? Thank you, Jesus. We have missed you. We want to do a song that is uh, it's new here, but maybe you've heard it on the radio. Um, as we've been talking about hallowing God's name, and, and last week we talked about one of the names of God, and this week we're going to talk about another one. It has struck me how easy it is for us to compartmentalize and say, well, that was God then. God doesn't do miracles today. God doesn't step in and intervene in, in real and tangible ways today. God doesn't heal the way he did back then. God doesn't speak the way God spoke back then. And the, the simple truth is, if we believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then we serve the same God, right? And so uh, we want to teach you this song. It just talks about how we serve the same God. It goes like this. I'm calling on the God of Jacob Whose love endures through generations I know that you will keep your promises So I'm calling on the God of Moses The one who opened up the
heart. Sing with me. You heard your children then. You hear your children now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You answered prayers back then. And you will answer now. You are the same God.
as a sign of release and also a sign of receiving whatever it is that God has for you. So let's pray. God, it is so easy for us to think that those kinds of things happened way back then. I'm grateful for those stories, and I'm grateful that we can look at the history of your people and see how you have been with them from the very beginning. And Lord, I know that there's so many of these stories. People began to trust themselves instead of you. And throughout history, we can see that it's when your people come to a place of surrender to you alone that you do something mighty within them. And so today, God, we entrust our lives to you. The things that we're dealing with right now, we give them to you the struggles that we might be experiencing, the heartaches we might be experiencing, the worries that consume us, Lord, we give them to you. And in the same way, the celebrations and the joys and the good, we give those things to you too. Because we know that you care for us. And we can trust you. Today, Lord, I pray that you will speak to our hearts and to our minds. I pray that you will begin a work in us that affects people around us. I pray that you will help us to take our eyes off of ourselves and put them solely on you. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, You know that I love this part of the service because I get to, like, hug people and talk to people. So if I've not hugged you yet, you just wait. It's coming for you. Um, There's a passage. um, So I I told you a couple weeks ago maybe that the the teens, we've been going through the message translation. And so we're in Matthew. But we we started with a little bit in Ephesians. And some of you girls are going to remember this. We started a little bit in Ephesians before we jumped back to Matthew. And there is a passage, and I love how Eugene Peterson translated it in the message. So I want you to hear this, especially as we move toward this time of extending peace to each other. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Did you hear that? It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. My friends, when we understand that, the peace, that comes over our lives, I cannot explain. 
when we stop searching for our identity in everything else, in our jobs, in our money, in our pension, in our um, the car we drive, or whatever else it might be. I mean, I find my identity a lot of times in being a mom. I love it. But that's not my identity, is it? We find our identity in Christ. And when we understand how much he loves us, before we could do anything worth loving, he had his eyes on us. He has a purpose for us. And when we trust him, we can have peace not only with him, but with each other. And so stand up, because I want you to hear these words with your whole heart. With all of the stuff that we've sung and with what I've read this morning. May the peace of Christ be with you today. Thank you. Will you extend that same peace to each other? Meet someone new. I know y'all love just meeting new people. So do, do that. And um, ask someone what their favorite, you have to extend peace, but you also have to ask them what their favorite weird thing is to eat.
Are we good? First, let me apologize. It, I'm just not glad Danny was here. Thank you to the band. Um, Drew has been learning how to play the bass last year. Timmy's been learning how to play the drums the last month. I mean, this is like, this is awesome. Didn't they do a great job? So thank you, thank you. I'm Garen. I'm, uh, I'm the pastor here, but I serve with other pastors. And uh, you saw Jen. Jason is actually out preaching at another church today. Um, and Tim is our online pastor. So sometimes he's in house, but a lot of times he's doing his online stuff online other places. So, but together we serve with you. We don't serve you and we don't serve for you. We serve with you. And so thank you for allowing us to partner with you as we walk this journey together. I have a couple of announcements for you. Actually, I have a lot of announcements, so I'm going to go through them really fast. So uh, you might want to get a pen out if you need to take notes or get your, picture, your camera out to take pictures. First thing is, teens, tonight you are having a serve option. We're going to Orlando to help with a church plant, Mission 210. Meet here at the church. We leave at 3, so get here about 2.50, and we should be back by 9. And so that's great. The second thing is, so the Nazarene Church is a few million strong globally. We've got 100 churches in Florida, but once every four years, the teens, 13 to 18, get together for what's called Nazarene Youth Conference. And it's a time where there will be between eight and 10,000 teens gathered there. They'll have preaching from amazing people that you'd be like, oh my goodness, I recognize them. I listen to them on TV. We'll, they'll have concerts with bands that you're like, oh my goodness, I hear them on TV. The other thing they do is they learn how to serve. And it's pretty amazing. Last Four years ago, Phoenix was the spot, and the city of Phoenix has contacted the Nazarene denomination multiple times and said, we've never had a group of people come and do what you did. Please come back. Please come back. Please come back. But we're not going to Phoenix. Fortunately, we're going to Tampa this year, which makes it really easy for us and lowers the cost of the trip by about $700. However, it is still an expensive trip. It's about $1,250 for each of our five teams that want to go to go. And so they're asking for your help. They have created t-shirts that they would love for you to consider buying to help support the cause. Some of them are Port Orange shirts. Some of them are Goofy shirts. This one took me about an hour to figure out. Um, I should have known by the title Fruit. Um, it's love, joy, peace, patience. Uh, and some of you are seeing it now. But what you can do is you can scan that QR code or you can ask me or you can go to um, bonfire.com and then just search Port Orange and you'll see Port Orange Nazarene and you'll see some of our stuff. I'd encourage you and invite you to help our kids get to uh, Nazarene Youth Conference by supporting them and wearing some pretty cool swag that people that you know made. So the next announcement, connect with us. Scan the QR code. We've got an online connect form. We haven't put our connection cards back in um, the the chairs, the seats. I wanted to say pews. I'm so old school. We haven't put them in the seats uh, because connecting is always an evolving thing. We have ministries now that we didn't have four months ago. And so the best way is to go online to keonaz.churchconnect or just scan the QR code and you can fill out your connection card right there, whether you're a regular or whether you're a visitor. Just boop, get your
get your information. It takes about 30 seconds, and then you're done. I also want to highlight, nah, it's all good. We have these emails not because we like having our own name um, in front of something. We do it because we want you to use them and contact us. Let us know how we can partner with you. Let us know if you're struggling with something. Let us know if you have a passion and you want to see a ministry happen. Let us know if you are serving somewhere else in the community and you think, man, the church would do great at that. Let us know. Email us, email us, email us. The other thing, I talked to someone this morning about it. If you have a prayer request, let us know. Prayer at peonaz.church, and we will send it out. We've got about 100 people on our prayer chain that would love to be praying for you. All right, next announcement. This is drumroll worthy. Ken is ready to start Sunday school back up. Yeah. So next Sunday, 9 a.m. I know it's early, but it's not that early. Just, well, maybe we should say it's 2 p.m. England time. So, you've got plenty of time to sleep in, but come to church Eastern time at 9 o'clock, and Ken is going to be taking us through, I think, for the next few months, Hebrews, correct? So, one of the more difficult books in the Bible to get your head around, Ken is going to do it. He's going to help us understand the book of Hebrews. So, and is that the last one, Emma? Oh, today. We're having a potluck today. If you brought food, awesome. I hope you stay for it. If you didn't bring food, that's all right. We always have enough. And I know that um, we're a little lower in attendance because of the holiday weekend, but there's still food, and we're still going to gather together, and we're still going to fellowship. So join us right after service. We'll be moving chairs around and pulling out tables and just connecting with each other because we believe that we're better together. It's one of our core values. So I think that's it for that. Um, We're going to keep going. And with Jason gone and Jen gone and Kim gone, you get me. Sorry. Uh, we're going to move to a time of offering, and I want to highlight four ways that you can give financially. Um, and I, I encourage you and ask you to continue to be faithful in your giving. It's how we keep the lights on. It's how we keep the pastors paid. It's how we keep the preschool, you know, functioning at full capacity. But more than that, it's my prayer that you will be giving your life away daily. Because the truth is, it doesn't matter how much you give this way if you're not giving throughout the week by the way you serve and love and care and connect. This is where it's smart. If you're not doing it, if you're not living your lives with generosity. Now, don't get me wrong. We need the smoke so that we can keep going. We we need a both and, not an either or. So thank you for the way that you already do serve. And, uh, and these are ways you can give. And we're not even going to play the, the video. We're going to keep moving on, I think, to the sermon time, if I'm right. If I'm not right, then there will be something else. So, God in heaven, your name is holy. Bring your kingdom to earth. Do whatever you see fit, Lord. As above, so below. Give us what we need for today. Forgive us for what we've done. And help us to forgive those who have wronged us. And keep us from evil. Everything is yours, God. Forever and ever. So we're in the Lord's Prayer. Um, If you're visiting with us, uh, well, I'm going to be honest. 
we, we, are, we are moving at a snail's pace. We started Matthew 5, Easter 2021. And it took us till Advent to get through Matthew chapter 5. And we're on Matthew chapter 6 since Easter, and we're on verse 9. Sorry about that. But I'm not sorry because I feel like there is a lot there, and there is a lot that's left on the cutting floor that we're not even getting to. There is so much in Scripture that we can learn and grow from. And so I think it's okay. I think a lot of times preaching kind of does this overview and this flyby, and that's good to get a general sense of things. But I think there are times when you dig down deep and you get to some roots and you pull out some weeds and you nourish the garden and and the soil that's in those verses. I think that's where some real transformation can happen. So we've been going slowly but hopefully um, you've noticed that it is intentionally Um, i actually forgot to pull out the journal emma would you do me a huge favor in my office is a box with some journals and some pens would you grab a couple because if you don't have a journal and a pen i want you to have a journal and a pen so that you can take notes because i'm hoping that what we're saying today will be something that you'll be thinking about down the road and you might want to take notes um, and if not, I just sent him on that errand for no reason, and that's okay. Um, I'll hear about it later. Wink. Um, <laughs> we're in the Lord's Prayer, and as we've done every Sunday that we've been in it, we begin by praying the Lord's Prayer together. So would you pray the Lord's Prayer with me? Oh, nope, that's our prayer for understanding. Let's pray that too. No, that's good. Keep it. Um, Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. That as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. It's scary that I put the slides in and I still don't know where I'm going. Anyway, um, now let's do the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, I've got to be honest with you. Um, I've been starting with a Lord's Prayer joke. And I don't have anything this week, so we're just going to get right to the nuts and bolts of it. I'm sorry, unless if, if someone has a Lord's Prayer joke they want to share. No. Okay, let's keep it going. So, last week we talked about one of the names of God. If you'll recall, just a quick summary, we talked about how God wants to be our Father. God wants this intimate relationship with us. And it's not just you individually, it's us collectively. God has a plan for humanity, and that's the restoration of all things, and that means that it's God is our Father, which means we're brothers and sisters in Christ. It means that we are joint heirs with Jesus. It means all those things that the Scripture said is really true if we believe the prayer. But not only does God want to be intimate with us, we also have to keep this reverence because God is otherly. God is not like humanity. Although God came to earth in the form of Jesus and was human, God is God. And so we understand that There's an intimacy that's possible, but there is also a bigger picture. I likened it to, in football, you've got the coaches on the sidelines, and you've got the coaches in the boxes that are overviewing everything. And they see trends and things that you don't know. 
God sees a bigger picture than you see with your life. I'm ringing. Are we okay? All right. So we have our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. We talked about how we hallow God's name or we profane God's name by the way we live. Because if we are living our lives and signing God's name on it and it's not God's will, we are profaning God's name. So the way we hallow God's name is we live our lives in relation with God. We live our lives doing, obeying, being all that God has for us. That's how we hallow God's name. God's name is hallowed in your life when you are living fully for Christ. Hallowed be your name. Last week we talked about there are so many names of God. There are so many names for each of you. Husband, brother, father, jerk, employee. I don't, I don't know. I, the list goes on and on, and I'm not going to say what your names are. But we know that there are a couple of names of God that we do know, even though God is more than we can put into words. Last week we talked about how God is El Roy. Remember we talked about Abram and Sarai and how their maidservant, Hagar, she fleed because she was being abused and she met an angel of the Lord in the wilderness and the angel of the Lord ministered to her and she said, I will call you God, El Roy, because you are the God that sees me. And the angel told her to name her son Ishmael, which means God hears. So all the way back in Genesis, we see that we have a God who loves and hears for us. So today I want to tell you another story. It's an Old Testament story. It's found in Exodus 17. And I'm going to summarize it for you, and then we'll just zip through it and read it. But if you want to write that down, that's where it's going to be. And we're going to be talking about the name Jehovah Nisi. And did you get those? things okay i don't know just okay good all right nope we're not going to go there we're going to be on the other slide for a while kimmy sorry so let me let me summarize for you what's going on so you have the hebrew people and they have just been freed from egypt let that sink in people have been told they are god's children god's people have been in captivity and in slavery for over 400 years. Scripture says that God heard their cry. Hmm, sounds familiar, doesn't it? God hears. And God saw the plight of his people. Hmm, God sees, sounds familiar, doesn't it? And God sent Moses and he said, Moses, you're going to take care of things. You are going to be my mouthpiece and you're going to help free my people and so that's exactly what happens and most of us know the story there are 10 plagues there's a pharaoh that is just defiant and at the end of it they in the people of israel the hebrew people end up leaving egypt as if they had plundered it the egyptians were so ready to get rid of them they're like take it take take my jewelry take whatever is left anything you want just leave well, they cross over the Red Sea or through the Red Sea and they begin to go through the wilderness and what happens is they come to a spot called Rephidim. And it's there that uh, the nation of Amalek, the Amalekites, attack them. So you have this new nation 
just liberated. They don't have an army. They don't have rules yet. They don't have, like, this is just a crowd of people following a pillar and a cloud by day and night, right? These are people that are lost. They completely depend on God. And the people of Amalek come and they attack them. And this is what happens. In Exodus 17, Moses basically says, okay, here's what's going to happen. Joshua, I did you. You're a good warrior. You're going to take some people and you're going to fight the people of Amalek on this plain. And I'm going to go up on the hill and I'm going to be above you hovering and I'm going to raise the staff of God. And when I raise the staff of God, y'all are going to take over and it's all going to be good. That's my paraphrase. So the next day Moses goes up on the hill. The people go out in the plains to fight the Amalekites. And Moses raises this staff of God. Now, for us to understand what that is, you've seen movies. Like, my brain thinks of, like, um, Braveheart and William Wallace, where they raise the staff and the banner, and you know, this is for Scotland. Sorry, that's my best Scottish accent. (laughs) Anyway, so you know know what I'm talking about, though. You'd see these these, um, these armies, and they would have flags, and one of them was like, this is for the the army people, and this is for the archers, and this is like for the king, and so you had these banners that were used. Now, back in ancient times, these things weren't made out of flags. They were made out of wood or metal. They were big. They were heavy. They were like, but you needed them because the, the banner was an emblem, and it stood for the nation. It was, it was encouragement as you're in the middle of it and you see up on the hill, hey, the banner is still waving. We're still in this. It was encouragement to you in the middle of your struggle. It was a rallying point a lot of times. They'd say, okay, once you complete your mission, return to the banner. Return to this. This is, this is the safe place. Think like when you were a kid playing tag. It was like you had a safe place. You know, can't touch me here. Safe. That's what the banner was for them. So the Amalekites, just to summarize them, they, they would be like land pirates. They're ruffians. They're, they're not good people. So think of your worst pirate in a boat and put him on the sand. That's an Amalekite. So we see these Hebrew people. They've got all this stuff, but they're not trained warriors. They're, they're carrying their... their whole families and animals and their hands are full of things that they have plundered from the Egyptians. They're not battle ready. And yet, Moses says, go out, you're going to do it. And I'm going to be with you. And so Moses raises the staff, which really was like an emblem that God was with them. See, this was the same staff that Moses dropped when he encountered God with the burning, burning bush. Do you remember that? When it turned into a snake? Do you remember uh, when Moses was in Egypt and he took the staff out into the Nile and the water turned to blood? This was the staff of God. This was the staff that when Moses raised it up, the seas parted. This So when they saw the staff, they remembered all that God had done and all that God is capable of. God would be their protector. God would be the one that would deliver them. 
That's what they saw. So Moses would raise the staff. Just so that we're clear, the staff was just a piece of wood. Okay? I'm not implying that this staff of God had magical powers. We're not talking like Harry Potter wizard wand. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about this was just a staff that God had chosen to use. This was a vessel that God had said, I will make myself glorified through this instrument. And so it was a symbol. It was a tool to display God's power. And here's what happened. As long as Moses had his hands raised, they were winning. But when his arms started getting tired and the staff started lowering, the Amalekites would gain the advantage. So let's read together what happened. So here we go, Kimmy. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. And as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hands, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. And then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder. Read it aloud, Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So Moses built an altar there and he named it Yahweh Nisi. Now remember last week we talked about Yahweh would be the Hebrew word for God. Uh, but when it was translated into Latin, they don't have the letter Y, so they had to come up with something else, so they changed it to a J, so it was Yehovah, Yahweh. So you might have heard Jehovah Nisi or Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Nisi, Yasi, uh, Yahweh uh, Jireh, same, same name, just different language. So Moses named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. And he said, they've raised their fist against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. So, this is going to be a short message. I have, I have two takeaways. We're almost done. We're landing the plane. But I have two things I want us to think about. And then I have our four questions. Because every week we've been asking four questions. My first takeaway, when I read this story, when I think about everything that has taken place, what God was doing, what humanity was doing, 
here's my, um, my first takeaway. I've got to be sure that I remember what's really happening. Yes, Joshua is fighting the battle. Yes, Moses is raising the staff. But make no mistake, who was really fighting this war? God was. God was the one that was fighting for God's people. Let that sink in. If you are a child of God, you have a God who does not treat you as a servant and expect you to serve God. But instead, you have a God who says, I will serve and protect you. That should really mess you up because that's not at all the way the world does it. God was fighting the battle. It was God that had the power. The staff lifted high was basically God symbolically saying, I am your protection. Psalm says some trust in chariots, some trust in other things, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Staff was a visual reminder of a spiritual principle that God is the one who fights our battles. That's why we sing the song, this is how I fight my battles. We fight our battles with praise, not with swords. Now, this is what I love. Moses said, Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Now, does that mean that humanity has no choice in this? That God is just going to, like, I'm going to be God, I'm in charge, you know, I'm the one with all the power. No. We believe that humanity still has free will, don't we? Joshua could have chosen a different tactic. Moses could have chosen to not participate in the battle by raising the staff. Everyone had a choice. So we have um, our theological forefather, the one that a lot of our theology comes from, is John Wesley. Maybe you've heard of John Wesley. He was an Anglican uh, preacher back in the 1700s. So around the time your grandparents were alive. So you have John Wesley. If you haven't heard of John Wesley, the Anglican preacher, maybe you've heard of some of the things that were started because of John Wesley. For example, the Methodist Church was a movement out of John Wesley's teachings. John Wesley believed that there are methods, there are things that you can do to grow closer to God. It doesn't have to be difficult. If you draw near to God, if you study the scriptures, if you are in a group that helps you be accountable and strengthens you and encourages you, and if you worship God individually, and, like there, there's a method, it's not difficult. And so the Methodist church was formed out of, there are these things we can do to draw closer to God. Well, one of the things that I love about Wesley is he says this, God initiates everything. God does all the initiating. Through God's prevenient grace, you are being sought after before you know there is a God seeking you. It is God who 
initiates your ability to realize and your ability to respond, which is what John Wesley says is our job. He puts it this way. He says, humans have response ability. The only thing that we are called to do is respond. Respond to God. God initiates, we respond. God initiates, we respond. It's that simple. And that's what was happening in this story. God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wipe out these people. You're going to do it. And they responded in obedience. Y'all, the first takeaway is you also have responsibility. You get to choose. It's like your life is a choose-your-own-adventure book. Am I going to follow God today? Turn to page 47. Am I going to disobey God today or do what I want? Turn to page death. I don't know. You get to choose. Think about any other religious culture that you know of. Is there choice and freedom in those religions? Not like in the religion of Christianity. Because we serve a God who will not force God's self upon us. God initiates and we respond out of love and obedience. Joshua responded. Moses responded. The question is, will we respond? Takeaway number one. Takeaway number two. Just an observation. It's an observation rooted in what I believe is the way that God has created humanity. Joshua could not have won without the army. The army could not have won without Moses. Moses could not have won without Joshua. Do you see what I'm saying? There is an interdependence with the people of God where we trust God and we trust each other where there are things that I can do, but I can't do as well on my own as I could do if you were with me. Or maybe I can't do it all without you with me. The life in Christ is a life of living together. Take it one step further. Even Moses. Moses can't do it without Joshua or the army, but Moses couldn't do it on his own either, and that's why Aaron and her step in. Sometimes, maybe you've heard the phrase, standing in the gap. A lot of times it's used for that. It's like, here's what was needed, here was Moses' strength, and Aaron and her stood in the gap and supported. Aaron and her, they were holding him up. They were helping shoulder the weight. Moses and Joshua get a lot of credit for that battle. You got, God did the battle, and then you got Moses and Joshua. But in my opinion... The unsung heroes, Aaron and her. They weren't wielding swords. They weren't holding the staff of God. They were just being obedient, meeting the need in front of them. Moses is in front of me. I see he's struggling. I don't have to take Moses' job. I'm here to support and lift him up so that Moses can live into all that God's calling him to do. 
Moses, you look tired. Can I help? You look weak. Can I lend my strength? The entire story is different if those two disengage. Right? Moses can only hold on so long. Scripture tells us Moses is getting tired. If those two disengage and don't see the need in front of them, if their eyes aren't open, if they're not paying attention, and if they don't act in obedience, this whole story goes south. If they don't show up and offer their gifts, if they don't stand in the gap for Moses, if they don't think of their role as critical, even though it's not as fancy, it all changes. So let's bring it in here. There are things that you are called to do, and there are things that I am called to do, and there are things that this church is called to do in this community at this time that cannot and will not happen alone. You can do your best, and it's not to say that God can't miraculously intervene, but time and again, God has proven that the way God functions is in community and in relationship. Our very triune God, three in one, is community and relationship. And that is the path that God has set forth. So, the church you see is the church that you are building. The church that I see is the church that I am building question is are we happy with where we are and if the answer is yeah i think so then we keep being obedient full steam ahead if the answer is no then the follow-up question is are you holding up anyone's arm Or the question is, are your arms tired that you're too proud to ask someone to hold your arms up? God longs for us to be in community. There's no telling what could happen in this community with a group of 50 to 100 people that were all pulling in the same direction. It's scary to think what God could do with that kind of obedience.
a rut. Let's do that right now. Would you, would you gather around Mary and let's pray for her? If you're watching us online, this is what we do. I'm going to unplug the mic and we're just going to pray for a minute and then we'll be back to conclude. But If you're visiting with us or if you're watching us online, we are a church that believes deeply in prayer. And so uh, this is what we do. This doesn't happen often this way, but we do. We are constantly um, preaching that communion with God is priority. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you the four questions and then we're going to come to the table. So each week I give you four things to think about. You can jot them down. You can, I see people sometimes snap a picture so they can think about it later. It's up to you. But the four things, maybe one of these questions really stands out to you. Maybe all of them do. But the first question today is, 
Is there a situation in your life where you need God to show up in a real way and be a banner of protection for you? Mary, this may be your question. Can you self-identify a need within you? And the follow-up question is, what are you going to do about it? Who will you contact this week? Um, I love that Aaron and her were there. I love that they saw the need, but I'm also guessing Moses might have been like, a little help, please. (laughs) So, question is, if you are in need, who are you going to contact? We live our lives in a, how you doing? Great, how are you? Great, and we're all falling apart. Be honest with someone. Who are you going to contact this week and say, I need your support. Help me. I cannot guarantee it, but I promise that I think they'll say absolutely. That's question one. Question number two. Everyone gets tired. Come on, y'all, right? Everyone gets tired. You You may dress like Superman, but... We know there's a Clark Kent somewhere lying around. Everyone gets tired. Everyone needs help. Understanding we cannot live a holy life in isolation. So understanding that it wasn't meant to be lived alone. We aren't supposed to be living it alone. You can't live it alone. So now that we understand that, who are you going to allow to support you when you're weary? So do you see the difference? This one is, I need your help. The other one is, I'm trying to help you and you won't let me. Because we think we got it all figured out and we think showing weakness is a bad thing when really we're all weak. Maybe not all in the same thing, but we all have weaknesses. So both of these are about, are you going to be honest with yourself and are you going to seek help or receive help? Next question. What's in your hand? I love this question. Because everybody has something in their hand. I am a firm believer that God did not make any throwaway people. God made no one and said, I'm not giving you any gifts. Good luck. Everyone has a talent. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has a passion. Everyone has a calling. It's, It's in our DNA because we are made in the image of God. So what's in your hand? What's your talent? Is it a talent, a skill, a dream, an attitude? Do you know there are some people that need your attitude because their attitude stinks? What do you have in your hand? What are you willing to raise up to God so that God can do mighty things because of your offering? Last question. If God chooses to do something in a completely different or unorthodox way, you hear what I'm asking? We're not saying, God, I need you to do this, and I need it by Thursday, and I need it in this color. No. We're saying there is a need, God. If God chooses to do something in a completely different or unorthodox way, because God rarely does the same thing twice. God is always doing something new and creative. That's what God does. When that happens, are you still willing to be used? Well, God, I thought I, thought I was going to be doing this, but it, I feel like maybe the need is here. 
I have a choice to make. Do I hold out for what I've been wanting and thinking about, or do I say, I see a need, I'll fill a need. Am I willing to still be used even if God says, I'm going to use you, but you thought it would be really conventional, but we're going to get crazy in here. And that's scary. It's scary enough being obedient to God. But then when God says, I'm going to do something crazy, God, it's like when God told Moses, I want you to free a nation. That's scary. Oh, and by the way, I'm not giving you an army to do it. Where's your staff? <laughs> this big? <laughs> if God chooses to do something completely out of the ordinary and unconventional, are you still willing to follow, even if it's scary or difficult, even if a victorious outcome is not promised? Are you willing to be the pawn that gets sacrificed so that the king stays on the board? Because let's be honest, Scripture is full of people who didn't end up all rainbows and lollipops. Are you willing to be whatever God is calling you to be? Four questions. Hopefully one of those is resonating with you and will be something that you think about for the rest of this week. Let's pray. Jesus, God, I thank you for this time. I thank you that you are our banner of protection. You are Jehovah Nisi. You're the banner we raise. You are the one who protects. You are the one who fights the battle for us. But you call us to participate and respond. God, I pray for myself and I pray for my friends here. May we be people whose first word is yes. God, I think about my own life and how many times you may be telling me to do something and I say, but what about? Or I say, I could never because. God, teach me, teach us how to first say yes. Yes, God. What you're asking is crazy, but yes. Do I know how it's going to happen? No, but yes. And then help us to step back and watch you move and respond and participate as you open doors and do things that we could never do on our own. We pray this in your name, Jesus. We pray this, Holy Spirit, in your power. And we pray this, Father, the one who is our banner. So we come to the table, and then, then we're through, but I don't want to make that sound like as if this is a throwaway moment. I told someone the other day, everything is expendable in our service except for the table. Because everything else in the service is stuff that we are putting together, but this is a table that's been set by someone else. It's not our table. This is the Lord's table. And so we come to it with thanksgiving, come to it with awe and reverence and we come to it with gratitude so let me uh, sanitize up and then I'm going to invite you to come up um, the way we do it here is we invite you to come up it's usually easiest if you work your way to the middle aisle and then circle back around if you'll take the elements and then hold them we'll take them all together at one time so um, come when you're ready
remember um, and be proclaimed. Twofold. We remember what Christ did for our lives, and then we proclaim what Christ is doing in our lives. And that keeps us to be a good one. So, on the night that our Lord was to be betrayed, he was with his disciples. Who would, in a few short hours, all run away scared? And one of them would betray him. So friends like these, right? And yet, it wasn't about who was at the table because everyone's invited to the table. It was about remembering what God had done. And this was a remembrance of what God had done for the Hebrew people in Egypt thousands of years before. And yet, in that moment, Jesus twists the script. He turns the script over and he says, no, this, this represents my body, which would be broken for you. I'm about to do something new. So make, make no mistake, just like that brought freedom and salvation and liberation, I'm about to do it again, but in a very different way. So let's take, eat, and be thankful. And then he held up the cup at some point in the service. We don't know where it was in the meal. But he held up the cup. And he said, this cup represents my blood, which will be shed for you. I don't think they had a clue how soon that would be. He said, this is shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Taste, drink, and be thankful. So Jesus, we come to you today and we thank you. We remember what you did for us. And we proclaim even now that you are Lord of our lives. God, it's just a small cracker and it's just a small amount of grape juice. But we know how our body works. And that those things are being broken down in our bodies to propel us, to keep us alive and keep us moving. In the same way, we believe that these elements, though ordinary, are anything but ordinary. Because it is as we take you in and live your life that we live and breathe and move. Nourish our souls the way these nourish our bodies. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, would you stand with me? Let's sing our benediction and uh, then stay for food. Potluck time. If you're online, you've got about 25, 30 minutes to get here if you're in town. Run through Wendy's drive-thru and get something and bring it on over. So, Or just come. We'll have food. Sing with me our benediction. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.